Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. He's back on the ship in Minnesota. He ditched you guys and you couldn't win a game, but now you've won a few and he's all back on. He is. He's Mr. Viking. Forward we go. Yeah, I can picture you like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Titanic in front of the boat. Like, I'm the greatest Viking in the world. Aw, uh, how cute. Oh, it's so cute. Look I, at that. I, you I and Zimmer gone. spooning. So cute. Oh, you know, Vikings. Go Vikings. <laughs> I, I can't I can't take you seriously in any clip I see of you wearing that giant red sleeping bag that was Kyler Murray's jersey. Thank you. The 5XL. That thing was so big. I'm telling you, Kyler Murray himself could use it as a parachute. That's how big that jersey is. Wait, wait. Stop. What are you talking about? We're talking about you cuddling with Mike Zimmer on the the front of the ship, okay? It's Titanic music. That's called... Your heart will go on with the Vikings forever. Yes, he was back on, and now he's he's ready to walk the plank and get the hell off again. He's not sure where he is this week with the Vikings. Where are you at this week? Where are we at? Where's the love affair? It's nowhere. It's annulled. It's still annulled. (laughs) Uh, uh, By the way, the Vikings have... Adam Thielen, star receiver on the COVID-19 reserve. It's unclear whether or not he tested positive or was exposed to someone and uh, will be back quicker if it was just a close contact type of a COVID-19 reserve list. But that was the marquee late afternoon game initially going into the season. But as the Cowboys fell apart and the Vikings fell apart, the NFL wisely said we need to move another game into that time slot. And they did. Packers at Colts and that's going to be a game that we take a closer look at right now Chris uh the Packers they've they've got a blow the lead problem this year they've blown a seven point lead a 10 point lead a 14 point lead in their three losses 14 point lead twice 21 7 and 28 14 in the first half what what happened offensively why were they doing so well 
and why did it fall apart for them in the second half? Yeah, well, you know, first half, you know, favorable field position. Rodgers made a few great throws. They had a few game plan plays that kind of caught the Colts, you know, the wide open touchdown pass that uh, he hit to Robert Tanyan on the first drive. Great design there, all those things. They're fast starters, and they always got a few plays in the bag to break out early in games where you go, man, we haven't seen them do that. That's that's that that's totally for us, and it screwed us over. So they jump out on people. But as far as like to what you talk about, Mike, holding the leagues, there's two things that are issues for them holding a lead. First off, their defense isn't very good. It's not, and you can run the football on them. Second thing is, you know, they don't run the ball all that well. They're not a dominant running football team to where they can depend on that to run out the clock and 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 eat up you know, chunks of time there to keep the other offenses off the field. So that's, to me, the big thing more than anything. But it's 28-14. to 14. The Colts go on a long drive to kick a field goal. They get it back, right? And it's three and out. And, I mean, I can go through the plays, but it's a quick throw, uh, a back shoulder miss here and there. And then, hey, guess what? Defense is back on the field. They let them go on another long drive. It's eight points, and all of a sudden it's 28-25. And then what happens there? You know, another three and out. The Colts played a little bit more aggressive, I would say, in the second half, Mike. Got in their face a little bit, maybe forwarded with a few blitzes here and there, and I think just caught them off guard on a third down here and there. But then, okay, now it's 28-25. Colts get a field goal. Packers fumble the kick return, and all of a sudden they're in the lead. So it's not anything I could sit here and just go, oh, the Colts changed this or they did that. No, they they – I would just say more than anything, played a little bit more aggressively, took away some of the easy throws and boots that Rodgers had in the first half, and Green Bay had a hard time adjusting against one of the better defenses in football, as we know. Get, uh, based on the influence that you have had on me over the past few years, I've yeah. become an Aaron Rodgers fan. Right. I have. Right. I have. And he, he's one of the MVP candidates, and he's been playing extremely well. You said something yesterday that caused me to go back and watch his entire press conference after the game. And, and usually his post-game press conferences are very instructive. He'll make a comment at some point that sheds some light on what's really going on. He, he didn't seem as bothered by what happened in the game as he should have been. Yeah, I hear you. And, and, you know, if we're going to say, Tom Brady, where was your fire on Monday night? Right. Where, where, where's Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, hey, he served up a two-score lead, a 14-point lead, yeah. 28-14. Um, I, I just – he didn't seem to be perturbed. He didn't seem to be upset. No. He didn't seem to be salty about the fact that they had just blown this game. And, you know, I've, different people have different opinions on what is appropriate post-game interaction between – players from different teams no but, but this bothered people i know it did you know yucking it up with philip rivers after the game right. is not a good look when you have you know an opportunity like that to really cement yourself as the best team in the conference and it goes haywire after it looked like it was going to easily go your way you just the problem is the fans care about these games sometimes a lot more than the players do and that's just the truth right 
Sometimes the players, they the fans want to see their favorite players right. on their favorite know, teams right. act like fans and yeah. be as wounded as the fans are by what happened. And I didn't see any of that yesterday when I watched the Aaron Rodgers postgame press. Game. No, I, I get that, and I don't think it's fair to say that fans are more bothered by it. I don't, I don't think it is. You know, again, when it's not not a, yeah. I, no, I, I yeah. okay. I, let me let me let me rephrase it. Right. Fans get bothered when they sense that the players aren't as bothered sure. as they are yes. by what happened. Yeah. That's what I mean to no, say. No, I I understand that, and I'm I'm with you there too. I don't think that was necessarily the best look for Aaron Rodgers after the game, yucking it up with Phillip Rivers and doing that type of stuff. I get that. You know, I think too. You know, fans got to remember at times too. This is this is your life, your business, and. You're constantly trying to, okay, this happened. We lost. I, I got to move on to the next thing now. And that's kind of how your program is wired too as a professional athlete. But either way, yeah, you don't want to see joking around and laughing after a big loss or something like that. And I think Rodgers, you know, I, I don't know. But, you know, with this game, he played pretty damn well. And he probably looks at it and goes, okay, yeah, it was a little choppy in the second half. But when – when we needed to, I made plays, and you know I can't hold the ball on the kick return, and I can't hold the ball on the screen pass to Marquez Valdez Scantling and things like that. But to me too, Mike, this is also where I just you know when they go through these stale moments like we saw in the second half, because it's not like their offense is this creative juggernaut where I'm just like whoa 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 you know there's a few plays early in the game and then they execute and Rodgers makes great throws and bails them out of trouble every now and then. But they played a great defense who was over all over some of their conceptual stuff there on the offensive side of the ball. And they got a good pass rush and all that. And, you know, I'll go back to the same old thing. It's just, okay, you're playing one of the best defenses in football. You're kind of a one-trick pony. It's Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And that's all there really is to it a lot of the time. You know, so, yeah, they're going to get in games like that. They, they need more weapons at times to help them out, make another play, do whatever it is. But, you know, that Colts defense is good, and uh, they certainly got the best of Rodgers and, and the Packers in the second half. One issue that got widely overlooked because the Colts ultimately won the game in overtime, clock management. When you get the ball on your own 34 with 3.06 left and you're up by three points and you drive it all the way at one point, to the 23-yard line of the Green Bay Packers, and you end up punting the ball back to them with 125 left. What in the world? What What did you see when you broke that part of the game? Well, I, th there's only one play that just drives you crazy. You know, the, 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 to me now, you get in, you get to the under the two minute the under the two minute warning, okay, and they they complete the fourth and four, right? The fourth and four pass to Naheem Hines. Green Bay takes their first time out, right? So there's 155 left. They take one. They take their first time out. Now, it's first and 10. The Colts get a penalty, and it moves them back to first and 20. And to me, this is where they mess up. It's first and 20 at the 33-yard yeah, line. You've been running the ball effectively, and they decide to throw the ball with Phillip Rivers, and they only take four seconds off the clock. And that, to me, is where there should have been another timeout by Green Bay. And then that would have led to them having no timeouts, you know, after the fourth down play later on in the drive. And Rodgers would have got the ball back with 40-something seconds in that range. So, yeah, maybe he could still get you in field goal range. 
in 40-something seconds, but he's not going to beat you. And what they did by running that pass play on first and 20 is they gave Rodgers a few plays to get down on the 20-yard line and go, hey, do you want to beat us? Hey, we gave you some extra time. We gave you an extra 40 seconds. You want to win the game? And that's to me where, you know, the clock management was an issue uh, in that one, but luckily they escaped. And then they got back to trying to run it again. And on the next running play, there were two holding fouls on the Colts offense. Obviously, you take one, you decline the other. It put them back 10 more yards, which set the stage for the eventual punt and and along the Whoa. way there was the there was Whoa. the potential I mean the what you know that game the the one finger on the ball with the uh, Philip Rivers well, throwing it forward Zadarius Smith uh, and the recovery that could have been a touchdown that would have won the game for the Packers run the ball there too I I, I mean that that's just unbelievable that, that really is I don't know any other way to say that you know the fact that they trusted Philip Rivers right there who's been shaky the last two years in those moments against the the best thing the Packers do on defense is rush the passer. And Mike, here's the other aspect of that. I mean, yeah, they're lucky that 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 was as close as it gets. That could have been empty hand, fumble, all that. But, man, I'll challenge anybody. Go out there and watch where he was about to throw the ball. He was about to – Kevin King had jumped Mo Alley-Cox running a little curl route to the left side. He – it looked like to me it had a chance to hit Kevin King right in the chest. So uh, the, the management there, to me, knowing who you got at quarterback, knowing who you're playing, knowing what's working on your offensive side of the ball, you know, they, they took some risks, risks there and uh, luckily got out, of, got out of harm's way. But you got to be aggressive. See, you got to be aggressive. Oh, gosh. Aggressive, 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 aggressive. Don't get aggressive. me going on aggressive. That's the new phrase in, in every game. Aggressive, aggressive. Yeah, no, you got you to be smart. You got to be smart. And you got to do the math on the fly when you know that you've got the lead, you've got the ball. And look, any kid out there that plays Madden on a regular basis knows how to milk the clock, and that's the key. You always take advantage of the opportunity to take 40 seconds off the clock when you can or force the other side to use a timeout and ideally get to the point where they can't stop the clock then they don't have enough time to force overtime no harm no foul at the end of the day because the Colts won the game but they shouldn't have won the game based upon how they managed the clock in that key moment late in the fourth quarter all right let's flip it to Chiefs Raiders one of the best games of the week one of the best games of the season yeah you suspected initially that the Chiefs had learned a lot from what the Raiders did back in week Five. Right. What did your review of the film reveal in that regard? I, 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 it revealed that that the the Chiefs came out with a different game plan, the completely different game plan. You know, something we have seen them work on a little bit the last few weeks. We've seen this infused into their game plans. You know, whether it was Carolina and certain plays, but you know, the the Buffalo game in the bad weather. Right? They've had and found a new part of their offense to go, wait, when teams play us like the Raiders did in week five, the first time around, we need to run the ball just a little bit. And we have to have more of a short passing game to bring people up a little bit. And then they open up the deep stuff or either way, we just, you know, pick away at them for six and seven and eight yards. And that's what the chiefs did. I've never seen Andy Reed call that many short passing plays, be that patient all together in the offense. And I would say, Mike, I'll make a bold statement and say, I don't think I've ever seen Kansas City execute play for play for play for play for play the way they did in that game. It might be the best execution 
pipe for play I've ever seen them have because usually they're one of those teams, right, Mike, that's, you know, oh, it's two series don't work so well, and then all of a sudden it's three series that are awesome, and then it's two or three series where you go, up, oh, they're, you know, bored in the sleep again, and then it's two or three touchdowns again, and it's a little all over the place. They were phenomenal and surgical, which we don't usually see them do, and that was different and I think also scary for the rest of the NFL that they have that. Yeah, it's kind of like usually they're that Cobra that just waits and waits and waits for the big strike. It was more of that systematic, if you're going to work so hard to take away anything down the field, we will be patient. We will take what's available. Yeah. We will harness the greatness of Patrick Mahomes and and use it for plays that a lot of quarterbacks could make, right? A lot of guys can do what Patrick Mahomes did, but if you're going to take away the ability of him to do spectacular things down the field, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we have to do to win. I mean, that's right. that's kind of the attitude the Chiefs have had. We thought we'd see more of it with the running game, but, hey, in that West Coast-style offense, a short passing game is basically the running game, and that's what it's always been, and that's what it was. And and uh, it, it was the perfect counter to what the Raiders had figured out. I, it's just a hell of a chess match, and, and I really do hope that they meet again in the divisional round. I want Steelers-Chiefs in the AFC championship because I want it to be resolved on the field who the best team is in the AFC, if not the NFL. But along the way, I'd love to see Chiefs Raiders a third time. I, I, I mean, I would too, but I would be scared that they would ruin that party we want to see in the AFC championship game. You know, they're, they're, they're scary. I, you know, hey, we talk about it. Now, this is what's the scary thing about the Chiefs too. Every team's got their kryptonite. The Raiders are building a team to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They are. And, I mean, the discouraging thing for the Raiders is you played almost a perfect game and you lost. You know, that, that, that's, I think, you know, frustrating. And the amazing thing about the Chiefs is, yeah, the other team played perfect against you and they're built, you know, in a lot of ways perfectly to beat you. And you still couldn't beat them. You know, that's what's amazing about the Chiefs. You know, there they were playing a team that, you know, kind of looks like they're kryptonite, but yet they find a way to win the football game. They're unbelievable that way and how he can make plays, they can adjust, their players make plays at the right moments, uh, whatever that is. But, yeah, they have a real threat within their division. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, between that offensive line the Raiders have, Derek Carr and Gruden have the Spagnolo defense down and how they want to attack it. And, you know, we've seen that their defense gives Kansas City issues. That would be a scary matchup. I'd get scared that they'd ruin that party and all of a sudden we'd see Raiders-Steelers in the AFC Championship game. And that mindset for the Raiders, and this is the way you have to deal with the Chiefs. You know they're going to score their points. You just have to score more. And in two games this year, it's 71 Raiders, 67 Chiefs. They have found a way they have. to outscore Kansas City. We, we saw the Broncos trying to build along those lines, the Chargers as well. You're only going to slow down the Chiefs for so long. You have to outscore them, and, and maybe they will. Now, weather could be a factor if and when they get together because it will most likely be at Arrowhead Stadium. But uh, I, I hope we see round three. But I agree with you. You know, for as fascinated as we get by those playoff upsets and what a great story that gives us for the short period of time, it robs us yeah. of – Right. The better game the next week. Yes. I, that, that's what I get scared of. When we get to that time of the year in the playoffs and everything like that, I, I more of the times than not root for the, you know, the better teams or the, because I just want to see the better matchup the next week and I want to see the best possible Super Bowl and all those type of things. But, 
either way, the Raiders are real. You know, they're a player in the AFC. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl this year, but I think, hey, the right matchups and they get in the playoffs, they could be scary, certainly, with the way Derek Carr is playing, they're secondary. And uh, I, I got to give John Gruden a lot of credit for what he's doing out there. And, and, and let, let me just say this. I would not refuse to watch Steelers Raiders. Yeah, that'd be for cool. All the marbles. No doubt. Gruden and Tomlin. Right? Right? Yes. Raiders, yeah, that, Steelers, that, 70s style. Yeah. Those two who yeah. got that old school style about them, anyways, that would be pretty damn good. You're right. The last play for the Chiefs, the one that delivered the victory, we talked about it yesterday how Travis Kelsey popped open when Patrick Mahomes used the threat of the run to draw, John, draw Jonathan Abram toward the line of scrimmage. What, what, what do you what do you say if you're Paul Gunther or John Gruden to your defense on how to better handle a situation like that in the future? Yeah, I think the the big thing is right. You know, field goal doesn't beat us. Touchdown does. So let's protect against the touchdown. That would be probably the first thing I would say. The second thing that I think got a little lost in translation here too is, and now and I understand Abrams is in a tough spot. He sees a quarterback like Mahomes who can run. The Red Sea is parted, and he's got 10 yards at least in front of him. So he's there. And if you're watching here on TV, you see 24 at the 10-yard line. He should be back where Travis Kelsey kind of catches the football. Okay? But he sees Mahomes step up in the pocket and go there. But to me, this is the big the big coaching point, Mike, here. The Chiefs got no timeouts. Let them run the football. Go ahead. Let them run the football. Let them take the 20 seconds off the clock there and – they're going to be in trouble of whether they want to score that touchdown or not after that. I mean, it's going to be down to, okay, maybe you got a play or two more, and then you might have to kick a field goal. So that would probably be the other thing that they said to, to Abrams yesterday watching the film back. And, and look, this is something that reminds me of the approach that the Titans took last year when Dean Pease was the defensive coordinator. Why bother blitzing Patrick Mahomes? You're not going to get him anyway. Why bother even taking the bait when you see him start moving toward the line of yeah, scrimmage? Because right. the moment you react, he is going to burn you into the spot that you vacated. And if he wants a run, let him. Let yeah. him. Especially, like you said, no timeouts. Come on. Come on. Let's go. And we're going to treat you like a running back. I mean, again, I don't want to tread lightly here. But, but, but you got to pick your poison a little bit. You're that's right. been the mantra. Yeah. Let him run. You want to run? Come on. Run. Bring it. And uh, uh, that that's I think that it's always smarter to avoid getting beat by his arm than by his legs, especially like you said, with no timeouts. There's a lot of things you got to be aware of. And yes. Jonathan Abrams, a young player, but uh, that 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 is the smart way to do it because once you he's you're, you're playing into his hands. Yeah, that's when what he wants. He wants you when to you come approach up. him. Right. Yep, he's going to zing it right by. Yeah, him. that's exactly okay. right. He's 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 as as good as we've seen manipulating coverage in extending plays uh, ever in the sport already. I mean, I don't really care. He's up there with the all-time greats in that department, whether that's Rodgers, Favre, you know, Elway back in the late 80s, whatever. But once he gets out of that pocket, yeah, he's running and his legs and arms are moving, but his eyes and his brain are thinking, where can I throw a 30-yard laser to? That's what he wants to do. And, yeah, I would be one to err on. Let him run for 8 or 10 yards. Don't let him throw lasers for 60-yard touchdowns. So how much will the Buccaneers, yeah. who have five days now to get ready for this onslaught, will they just lift the, the game plan that we saw defensively? Are, are teams going to start doing that and forcing the Chiefs to do the sustained drives? You know, do it. We'll try to match you score for score. 
but, but we're going to force you to stay on the field. We're not going to we're not going to give up a quick strike. Now you're going to wear out your defense, though, potentially if you do that all game long. But will we will we see the Buccaneers? Do you think try to do the same things that the Raiders have done? I I I do. Yes. Now you know the good thing. Paul Gunther, everything. Hey, he's been he's coaches great game plans. They run some cool coverages that. You know, some defensive coordinators might not exactly know how to run or the nuances of those coverages. And also the other thing, too, where, you know, we talk about the Raiders being the kryptonite a little. The Raiders have a really damn good secondary. I mean, hey, Mike Mayock, he he proved a lot of people wrong with his Damon Arnett, the kid he drafted at Ohio State that people weren't, you know, thinking was a first-round talent. And I'm one of those guys. Hey, he he deserves He's They, they killed it there. So that they've done a good job. Trayvon Mullen, Abrams, you know, they got guys at least that can really cover, let alone they coach up some cool zone coverages too. I would think Todd Bowles has some of that element, certainly. But two, you know, there's always a, an advantage for that team in the division because, hey, the Raiders got to play them twice last year. They probably took a few weeks during the year to study the Kansas City Chiefs in the offseason. Then they, they get to play them again twice this year. So they probably have a much better feel for how Kansas City likes to attack and breaking them down to a different area to where other teams might not be able to hit it. But I would think generally, Mike, that would be the approach. If you have a pretty good front four, let them go, play coverages, and try to make Mahomes and company be patient that way. And, and, and take your chances that way other than being over-aggressive, and I don't think you have much of a chance at all. You made me think of something when you said that because they have a quarterback who comes from a team that has experience dealing with the Chiefs and dealing with them fairly sure. effectively. Right. I don't know how much of that knowledge Tom Brady carries in because he's focused on his job during the weeks that the Patriots are coming up with game plans for dealing with the Kansas City offense, but surely he picked up something that could be a value to the defense if if the Bucks want to try to draw that out of him, right? Well, I, I, you know, Brady's yeah, he's smart enough, knows what what his defense was doing up there in New England, and like little things or nuances that were part of the attack for for Patrick Mahomes. And I, I mean, yes, they've done a New England did a great job of always kind of containing Mahomes for the most part to where yeah, he might be able to add a few ideas if they ask him or go that way. You know, but it just that again, it depends on the relationship, how those coaches are. I've been on some teams where coaches are cool like that and they want to find every ounce of information out. And hey, what did you know, you know anything about what you guys did against them last year? Like what 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 was, you know, what did your coach say? Blah, 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 you know, just that. But then there's other coaches who don't ever want to let their guard down. They have all the answers already and they know everything and they'll never ask anybody that advice. So I don't know what department Todd Bowles falls into there, Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, the whole relationship, I, I don't know. Of course, the best coaches are the ones who will take in every potential shred of information that could be useful, make good decisions about what works, what doesn't, incorporate that into the game plan, think of it maybe in the third quarter, if you, hey, how about this, he said something. You know, those are the best coaches who are in the moment, who are willing to depart from their way and welcome any and all input because it can only make you better. It's not going to make you worse. All right, let's take a break. Some young quarterbacks in the news on Monday. Tua, Jalen Hurts, Taysom Hill. We'll talk about them when PFT Live continues. Oh, yeah, get it. Right I'm after this, I need a traps. massage. A little tight there. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting 
lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Look, Tua's, you know, he's a resilient kid. I don't know if there's a message or anything to take from it. It's... You know, the same message the entire team gets. You know, we all have to do, we all have to play better. We've got to coach better. Uh, he's not in this alone. Um, he's got my full support. He's got the support of the car coaching staff. He's got the support of everyone, every every player on in that locker room. Um, and conversely, he supports all the other players in, in the locker room as well. So I don't know if there's a message here or make too much of this he's the starting quarterback I think he knows that we've had that conversation um he's played well you know and and you know he's gonna I expect him to continue to play well I expect him to bounce back Brian Flores Dolphins coach from Monday explaining the benching of Tua Tonga-Vailoa whether it was because of poor performance whether it was for his own protection because he was getting hammered by the front seven of the Denver Broncos. You know, Chris, I just keep coming back to something Cam Newton said several weeks ago when he was concerned about the mistakes he was making. He said, players talk. That's my concern. How do you lead the locker room? How do you lead the team if you are a guy who is susceptible to being yanked off the field at any time? We don't see this happen often in the NFL. The last time it happened was 13 years ago when Dennis Green, then the head coach of the uh, Arizona Cardinals would take out Matt Leinart and put in Kurt Warner. And then when Kurt Warner would stabilize things, he'd put Matt Leinart back in. Right. Uh, usually you've got one quarterback, he's your guy until he's <clears throat> injured or benched, not just temporarily, but benched for good. What do you think about this after having one day for the dust to settle and hearing what Coach Flores had to say? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not, like, panicked about it. I mean, I, I believe everything kind of Brian Flores says about the subject. You know, I, I know what you're saying, too. It might be different with players talking if it was an established starting veteran quarterback who had issues and things like that. But those guys in the locker room know this is still early. He's a young player. He's just got out there. So they're not going to, like – you know, judge anything too harshly or be like, oh, he can't lead us. He's not, not, not yet, not there yet. But I will say this too, you know, 
the more I more, and I'm going to watch this film when we get done with the show today. This is the next one I want to watch because I'm I want to see what went on. But just from watching on TV and what we saw, and what we see with the stat line and everything there, you know, to me it shows more than, you know, oh he was just getting beat up and they need a jump start. They didn't like something they were seeing about the football game that Tua was playing. Eleven for twenty with one interception. I mean, one touchdown and no interception doesn't necessarily lend itself to, oh my gosh, it's so bad, we got to get him out of there and get him out of the game. Now, he took a lot of sacks. Was he under a little pressure? Yes. But to me, more than anything, watching on TV, too, was, you know, it, it seemed like we saw a young quarterback who was very confused about what he was seeing all day long. Holding the ball, not getting the ball out of his hands, unwilling to pull the trigger at times and make throw into tight windows. And again, I can't see it all, but between the way the game was going, you know, his stat line and everything there, I think it was purely done to, hey, our young guy doesn't got it today. He's a little overwhelmed. Let's get Fitz in here and see if he can make some magic happen and jumpstart us and maybe we can get out of here with a win. I think the key stat on that graphic was six sacks. I really do think there was an element of we have to protect this guy. Could we be. can't afford to have him injured and miss multiple weeks. If this is just a game where he is going to be overwhelmed and the offensive line isn't going to keep the Denver defense away from him sufficiently, we, we have to pull the ripcord and, and throw the backup out there because if anybody's going to get hurt today, it's going to be the backup. Yeah. Uh, listen, uh, you know, young quarterback, seeing crazy coverages, doing things like that. Hey, you can get overwhelmed. And then you can start to lose like we showed a play on Football Night in America. There was a blitz. He's got a hot route. Throw it to him. He kind of looks at him and then doesn't know where to go after that. You know, so I think there's still growing pains going on here. Let alone, yeah, he was, you know, getting beat up a little bit. Definitely. And I think they just went, you're right. Let's get somebody in here, see what we can do. But this is to me, you know, where where we're gonna we're gonna see more about Tua. This is where I, I'm interested in him and where, you know, again, the bootlegs, the screens, the defense, the special teams, they weren't there. You know, will Tua be able to make throws in the pocket into tight windows and and do that type of stuff? To me, that was the big question there. And this was the first game he was kind of put in that position. And it didn't go great. And I don't want to har har judge harshly, but it's just something to look out for uh, as we go forward here. And when you study that film, remember what he said to me last week after the Chargers game. It's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. Not that it's not hard. And he specifically said <laughs> yeah. he thought he would see a lot <laughs> right. more different looks. Well, now he did. And that's part of the challenge. They're putting a ceiling above you. Can you bust through it before they bust you up as they were doing on Sunday. All right, the Eagles have serious issues at quarterback. They are sticking with Carson Wentz, quite frankly, because they are stuck with Carson Wentz yeah. through 2021. He leads the NFL in sacks, in fumbles, in interceptions. None of those categories do you want on your resume. Here's Doug Peterson, head coach of the Eagles from yesterday, talking about the possibility of getting their rookie quarterback, Jalen Hurts, more involved in the offense. At that position, um, this late in the season, when that happens, sometimes people take that as, okay, we're kind of looking into next year or, 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 or you know, preparing for next season, whatever it might be, and, and giving some of these young guys an opportunity to play. That's not the case. Jalen, Jalen is preparing himself each week to play, and, and that's what a backup quarterback should do. My perspective is that we have to get it fixed with Carson Wentz, and we have to, we have to. That's where my trust and my faith lies, and, and we can get it done. And, and so that's. 
that's where I'm at. But I, by no means am I saying that that um, I don't have trust or faith in Jalen. Um, it's it's a matter of having the, the getting the corrections done with Carson. Remember early on in Doug Peterson's tenure with the Eagles, we heard about emotional intelligence that that. It's more than just how smart you are in X's and O's. It's how you deal with people. And, of course, they were coming off of Chip Kelly, who dealt with everyone horribly, frankly. All due respect, too late for that. But I I almost feel like Doug Peterson is going too far to make sure everyone's happy and everything's working. and and I, I, I know they're stuck with Carson Wentz, but that doesn't mean you've got to continue to let Carson Wentz disintegrate week in and week out right I it's just I I feel like they're in quicksand and they have no idea how to get out of it because they are stuck in that quicksand that is Carson Wentz yeah no I I think they are and you know it's more than that I think you know they they they're in quicksand too and don't know where to go though because they go wait 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 all right great we're not that great at receiver we're not a great running team Oh man, we got to go back to Wentz. Like you know, so they're almost like stuck with like, oh, even though he's having issues, I don't know if we have another road or route to go here that's any better. Um, I I'm all in favor of more Jalen Hurts. I am. You know, you you've heard me. I've I've defended Carson Wentz a lot. It's hard to defend him right now. The way he's played the last few weeks, it's just it compounds itself week after week. Trying to do too much, not aware in the pocket carelessness not getting a feel for the game overall I mean the interception on the goal line down there last week in the Browns game I mean it was first and 10 I believe like that's just it's not acceptable the safety not acceptable the offense is not good they need as much help or diversity as they can get so if that means more Jalen Hurts style of offense to add another wrinkle aka like a Taysom Hill but maybe more consistent then I'm all for it. I think they got, they're got they at the point where they should be in desperation mode to go, hey, if we got to put Jalen Hurts and do some things with him, 10, 15 snaps a game, let's do it. What do we got to lose? We're not very good on offense anyways. Let's give a defense a different look and some other things to think about. Do you use him like a Taysom Hill before Taysom Hill became the starter due to injury? Or do you put him under center and either put Carson Wentz out wide or off the field? I think you could do a little bit of both. I think you could do either way. You know, there's there's added elements to either of that, right? If Carson Wentz is on the field, okay, ooh, they could do some different stuff here. Carson Wentz might be able to throw the ball too. We got to worry about that. Oh, wait, he's off the field? Uh-oh. Now we got to really worry about the run game and getting extra guys in the box. So I would play with both in, from from that standpoint. But they can't make explosive plays. They, they lack – you know, creativity right now, and maybe he can give them that aspect of trick plays, helping them dominate the line of scrimmage in the run game a little bit more, and just give them a little edge to jumpstart them. There's, I guess, a, a symmetry or a poetry to this concept that in the same segment we're talking about Tua being benched, you know, it was the guy yeah. for whom Tua was benched that unlocked Tua's career in Alabama, which was Jalen Hurts, who ended up <laughs> transferring, and now we're saying Jalen Hurts should be playing in Philadelphia, at least more than he currently is, but but they really are. This is the bottom line, and this is part of the business of football. 
They owe Carson Wentz $25 million fully guaranteed next year. He's going nowhere. They can't trade him unless they do a Brock Osweiler hot potato trade and throw a second-round pick on top of the pile. And even then, no one is picking up $25 million in cash and cap space next year when the cap is going to be $175 million. They are stuck with Carson Wentz. They have to try to fix it because they have no alternative. We, we talked about this last night, and I used the example of, you know, you have a car that's constantly breaking down. You can't trade it in. You got to keep trying to fix your car and make it run. You have to wait until the 2022s come out. That's just the way it's going to be. You got to get back and forth to work. You got to make that car run. And that's what Doug Peterson's desperately trying to do with Carson Wentz, Chris. Yeah, no, uh, I uh, agree. They're, they're in a tough spot and they just got to make do with it this year. And then next year, you know, they're going to have to reevaluate their offense, everything, talent around them. And, and yes, you know. His, and they still may make the playoffs. Well, yeah, they still might. But, you know, they're getting to the conversation where, you know, it doesn't look good this year. And then the next year, hey, we're going to be talking about coaches on a hot seat. Quarterbacks got to go if they don't start to right the ship and get things going in the right direction. Yeah, bottom line, I think everybody's on the hot seat next year in Philadelphia, starting with Wentz, continuing with Peterson, and maybe going all the way up to GM Howie Roseman. It's a shame, given that they just won a Super Bowl a few years ago. Let's take a break. Goats in a bad way for Week 11. We'll do that draft when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. I got my girl Charlotte here. She is the dog trainer. You see Toto. He does not do any tricks, but he's very cute. There's Bentley. Go ahead, Charlotte. Show us what you got. Okay. Um, Bentley can do sit. He knows paw. He knows down. He knows roll over. He knows sit. He knows sit up. Sit up. Very good. I really like that. That was a good one. Coming up this week, Thursday, noon Eastern, the National Dog Show. Bentley will not be in it, neither will Macy. Macy had a, a very elaborate plan to try to raid a box of donuts on Saturday. It was foiled, fortunately, because some Whoa. Of the donuts were chocolate. But Whoa. Looking forward, looking forward to putting on the dog show, noon Eastern on Thanksgiving, 
and having Macy in the room to see how she reacts oh, to the be dogs. Because I we only have one dog. Macy does not play well with others. It takes her a little while. It's funny to watch it. Right. But then, then you have to eventually grab Macy because Macy wants to go on the attack. So uh, she may be attacking the TV on Thursday as she sees all these other dogs. That's all. Is Macy like, will she have her face all by the turkey and everything like that? Like, is she going to be looking for scraps at the table or anything like that? Yes. Yes. She, yes. And you usually feed her? Yes. yes. Uh, no, I try. Well, she knows when, and we're going to have outside on our patio a, a socially distant Thanksgiving. She knows the people to who, go to. Who to go to, right. She knows, she knows who is more likely to accidentally drop food onto the ground. Right. So she will spend a lot of time right next to my father-in-law. And he will complain <laughs> about it. But if you didn't accidentally drop food on the ground, right. she wouldn't be right there. She's smart. She knows. That's she good. knows where she's going to get fed. That's All good. right. Uh, let's get uh, to the goats in a bad way coming out of week 11. We're usually positive. This is where we're a little Except negative. Chris, Tuesdays. go ahead and take the first pick. Yeah, we're not we're not positive today. Goats in a bad way. Who you got for the week that was? Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with Carson Wentz oh, right off the bat. Oh, me. Uh, I oh, am. I mean, were you gonna pick me. him? Oh, oh me. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I know. I thought about him too. You're right. He's he's in the running, but I'm gonna go with Carson Wentz. I mean, hey, really recently, I think he could probably be the top of the draft of this every Tuesday right now. But you know, just the again, the lack of awareness, the way he plays. Um, the way I, I feel like he even carries himself right now, everything about it, nothing's good coming out of Philadelphia, Carson Wentz, whatever it is. But, you know, the safety in the end zone, hey, your left tackle's struggling. Like, you can't just look blindly downfield like you got the Great Wall of China blocking you, you know, blocking for you. No, you got to be aware that you're in the end zone and the clock has to be different and you got to peek at the pass rush a little bit. That play. A few minutes ago, I talked about the interception you know, first and 10 on the 10-yard line, you know, down in the scoring area to throw a jump ball at the four-yard line, Denzel Ward interception. The other strip sack interception that ended up within the pick six, you know, again, just not being aware of what's around him and everything like that. Uh, I, you know, I've defended him. I, I can't really defend him much anymore. After the pick six that started the scoring on Sunday, Matt Casey made the observation that it looked like the Jack Squirek play from Super Bowl 18, yeah, right. like the Raiders linebacker. But at least Squirek had to make a semi-athletic play. All the Browns guy had to do was stand there. I mean, the ball came right to him. It was ridiculous what a throw that was. Carson Wentz, uh, I think he's probably a permanent fixture coming out of each week of the season. But but look, if you're if you're going to – Get that kind of money. If you're going to be a supposed franchise quarterback and you're going to perform this way, you're going to take the heat, which leads to yeah. Tommy, Tommy. Sorry, Tom. Sorry, Tom. You deserve it. Two picks last night, one for nine, throwing the ball 15 or more yards down the field with those two interceptions. And as we discussed last hour, I think that the ego took over. I think the vanity took over. I think that on a week where we saw Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson in prime time to start things off, Patrick Mahomes and Derek Carr on Sunday night. Tom Brady wanted to have a big night. He wanted to show he still got it, like Ralph Mouth from Happy Days. He still got it. Well, maybe he doesn't if he's going to try to do this all the time because spraying the ball down the field is not working. Operating a more efficient offense with two tight ends and running the football is working because we saw it work a week ago. 
So they've got to get away from this now. They've got to put the ego in check, and they just have to go do what's necessary to score more points than the opposition. So I think for what we saw in the field, the lack of fire, as you pointed out, and also what may have happened in the run-up to the game with Brady imposing his will on Byron Leftwich right. and Bruce Arians, Tom Brady gets the goat horns this week from me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it. You know, I, I really – I was going to take him first too, just the way that game looked last night, the quality of those – you know, interceptions, everything about it. Uh, I just felt like, man, we talked about it so damn much. But that's obviously got to improve uh, if they want to make a serious move to be in a contender here. All right. Oh, I'm a little torn with which way to go here. But I, I think that I'm going to have to go with just two receivers on the Green Bay Packers here. Valdez Scantling, okay, and Darius Shepard. You know, struggling in the second half. Green Bay Packers, Darius Shepard, 28-28. All right, man, we got to get the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, see if he can, like, get back some momentum on our side of the ball. Fumbled kick return. And then, of course, the overtime play. It's a screen pass out to the edge. Valdez Scanling, you know, after just a big drive by the Packers to go down, tie the game, had a chance to maybe win it. They get the ball back, and you're going, well, they survived, you know. Probably going to go down here and at least get a field goal. They'll get their wits together about them here. Valdez Scantling fumbles game over from there. Uh, to me, you know, not that they played horrible, but that was just two bad mistakes by solid players and big moments that that cost the Packers the football game. Yeah, and look, Valdez Scantling said he's got to take the good with the bad. I mean, you have to do what you can yeah. to get past that moment because you have to be able to perform. Tough. This weekend, Sunday Night Football against the Chicago Bears, but uh, that 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 really was a critical mistake that contributed to the loss by Green Bay. All right, look, I, I've got to go to the Saints-Falcons game because the Falcons had two weeks to get ready for this, and you know we're praising the Saints' defense all of a sudden. They're not the 1985 Chicago Bears, but Matt Ryan helped make them look like that. And if if you fancy yourself a top ten quarterback in the NFL, right? you got to show up in these moments, yeah. especially when you have two weeks to get ready for the game. Two interceptions, 19 for 37. That's just above 50% completion percentage and a 48.5 passer rating. I, You know, I, I remember when Taysom Hill fumbled late in the game. I thought, oh, boy, this opens the door for the Falcons. Like, wait a minute. They can't even get the door there open. Was no they can't yeah, do anything. Right. Yeah, so uh, – and that's got to all come back to the quarterback. You're one of the best quarterbacks in football – Franchise quarterback salary, two weeks to get ready. Nine points. Nine points. Are you kidding me? It's not it's not good enough. I'm sorry. It it's but it's 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 no, merited it's, in this situation. Yeah, I, I think it's real. I mean, I, I understand what you you know, you expect more with that offense, the weapons they have, him at quarterback, all of that. I mean, the Saints seem to be all over that stuff, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Hey, you're thirty million dollar quarterback, you know. $22 million wide receiver. You don't give a damn how good the defense is. You want to see him make some plays off schedule or whatever. Um, and, yeah, that that was not the case, certainly. And, and uh, yeah, you know, Matt Ryan, his stats, everything are going to look good this year, and he's still a really damn good quarterback. But a lot of his stats are, you know, bull crap, end-of-the-game stuff, too, that, that are misleading. And I think people forget that sometimes, and we just look at it where it is right now in the bottom line and go, oh, look, his stats look pretty good. He's playing good. Yeah, but how many of those yards and things were when the game was competitively over and it really didn't mean anything and the defense is playing, you know, uh, prevent defense and all those type of things. All right, my next pick, I, I think I got to go. I, I, I hate to do this, but, you know, I thought about John Harbaugh with the scene he caused, you know, at the start of the game 
and of course just the way their team played and everything like that. I want to. I think about the Bengals and the Joe Burrow situation. I'm mad at them, but I, I guess I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions. The whole organization, the whole thing, you know, the whole week, everything. You know, I mean, gosh, you're playing Carolina. There's no Teddy Bridgewater. You know, you've come off a game. There's a glimmer of hope to you to get in the NFC playoff picture, do all those things, and they just lay an absolute egg at, in Carolina. Really never had a chance to win the football game. At one point, they had that trick play, and you think, wow, okay, maybe they'll get jump-started here. What? You didn't even line up right? How do you not line up right on the trick play that you probably foamed at the mouth with all week long going, oh, this is going to be awesome if we run it, and you messed that up. So that, to me, was a bad week on the field, a bad week on social media with some other people associated with the players on the field. Everything was bad out of Detroit this week. I saw some people suggest yesterday that, that Matt Patricia was going to be fired. They play Thursday. You're not firing your coach on Monday when you play Thursday. But but if it happens again on Thursday, I won't be surprised if there's a house cleaning come Friday for the Detroit Lions. All right, last one for me. And I thought about whoever threw the flag that Juju Smith-Schuster stepped on and injured his foot and he oh. wasn't able to practice yesterday, or he wouldn't have practiced yesterday if they actually had a practice, you know, that whole Monday practice estimate thing. And then I thought, wait a minute, there's a reason it's bright and yellow. So Juju probably should have avoided stepping on the flag. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with our old friend, Roddy White, because, and I hate to pick two from the same game, but what the hell, I'm going to do it. It's my choice. Roddy White with the tweet that he that he put up after the Saints decided to go with Taysom Hill. There it is. Saints about to get whipped trying us with Taysom Hill at quarterback. We about to snack them. And, oh, stuff like that never matters. Stuff like that doesn't motivate anyone. Well, Sean Payton retweeted it minutes after the game ended. Oh, yes, it does matter. We're going to take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live right after this. Hi, Roddy. Whoa, Bayside's back. Saved by the bell, Mike Florio, one of your favorites. It's a Peacock original. I don't know if you used to watch the old Saved by the Bell, but Slater, he's sitting there. Sam Slater, they had Zach with the never cool phone. It. You never watched that never show? Watched it. it was a big show for my generation growing up. Big show. I used to tune the in The only episode I've ever seen is the clip that I sent you yesterday when Jim Harbaugh made a cameo. <laughs> That's amazing. Wearing dad jeans long before he was ever a dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, that that was a good clip, and uh, good thing he's staying in coaching, okay? He's not an actor. I know that. But good show. Check that out on Peacock. Got a lot of great stuff on Peacock. They do. Other than us every weekday morning, 7 to 9 Eastern live. We'll do it again tomorrow, Chris. Got a big week to get ready for. Here we we'll go, get baby. ready for it on Wednesday. See you then. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
three great words. Free Fries Friday. Especially when they're used in that exact order. Get a free medium fries with $1 minimum purchase. Valid one time on Friday. Participating McDonald's through 12 31 Excludes tax. Must opt in rewards.